listeners, and welcome to episode 22 of the Picky Bastards podcast, where me, Fran Slater, and Nick Parker. Hello, Nick. Hello. And Matthew Paul in New York. Hi. Get together to be complete dicks to each other about music. Um, <laughs> that, each was a, episode... that was the best hi. That was so cheesy. Oh, my God. <laughs> It's I'm just, at least he didn't sound like a cockney for the first time. Yeah, it was the first yeah. time he ever said hello not sounding cockney. So. <laughs> uh, anyway, so each time we discuss four recently released albums, one classic, and then someone will tell you about an artist they love. So this time the recently released albums are Morbid Stuff by Pup, Arizona Baby by Kevin Abstract, Muddy Dragon on the Road to Heaven, which is a shocking name, by Deptford Goff. <laughs> Just don't like the name. Um, Violet Street by Local Natives is the last one. And then the classic is Rated R by Rihanna. And I will finish out the episode by telling you all why I love Tupac. So yeah, let's get it going. Matt, tell me which of the albums, and I know you said two seconds ago that you hadn't come up with an answer yet, but <laughs> hopefully you have now. Which of the albums did you find the most unique? Um, I'm going to go with Kevin Abstract and Arizona Baby. Um, okay. I really like this album. I thought it was really uh, innovative, but also um, it reminded me of a lot of, of a lot of things, but put them together in like a unique way. Um, That's incredibly vague. Can I say? <laughs> Reminds you of a lot of things. <laughs> what kind of things? Like? Do tell us. Trees, um, I'm, I'm tables. Get into that, I'm going to get in, tables. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go um, for it. I think it's just uh, broadly, it's a pretty varied album. And it's pretty. Uh, diverse in like the style of rap like um to begin with he comes out really hard and really kind of seems to want to demonstrate his rap skills um uh, but then like he's quickly switched into like the second second song um which is called joyride he has like a bunch of horns on it and it's much more fun and except kind of has an outcast kind of feel to it um, but then he's also like happy to switch into the like more ex- like I guess experimental part uh, of uh, the album where he's like doing all kinds of pitch shifting stuff, which is reminding me of Bon Iver, uh, Twenty Two A Million album. Yeah, yeah, like I I drew a lot of uh, parallels to Twenty Two A Million and some of the songs uh, that he was uh, putting out there, and I, I just think musically. And this album had a lot going on that I found really, really interesting. And one of the most musically interesting uh, rap albums we've covered so far. Um, yeah. So apparently it was with um, Lana Del Rey's producer, wasn't it? Which I think he, I don't know Lana Del Rey that, that much, but I think the, I, he wanted to sort of get that similar feel to his album, apparently, which I found quite interesting. But I don't, uh, do you know her at all? I've listened to her a bit, and yeah, that's one of the things I've written down. Is it feels like a lot of the music has a kind of like uh, like an indie-ish old like old alt music uh, kind of feel to it, and she, I guess, is part of that, but within the kind of the cross like the Venn diagram within pop as well. Mm. And I can see how it doesn't feel like a like a traditional hip hop album. It feels like it's been uh, had some uh, something different done to it. Uh, and so that's, yeah, I really kind of found it kind of interesting and to bring it full circle, unique because of that. Okay. Well, there you go. Nicholas? Nicholas? Together there. Well done. Fantastic. Okay. So um, what can I, where can I start with this album? So I overall uh, just need to say that I am so, so tired of the vocoder on songs on hip hop albums. Mm-hmm. So tired of it. And this album is absolutely overloaded with songs with that vocoder effect which drives me up the wall at this point i can't bear it (laughs) so that may seem like a small detail but joyride is full of vocoder so it's a lot of vocoder on this album so is baby boy so is corpus christi in the choruses so it just really hung heavy over the whole album that there was this really trendy or for me no longer trendy effect like smashing through the actual flow, which I thought was decent. I thought I did think he actually had a good general flow and had, had some interesting things to say. I think tracks like Corpus Christi, which is probably my favourite song on the album, um, was very moving and sort of uh, sort of intimate narrative. But ultimately, 
still had that vocoder thing in the chorus. Mm. Which I found <laughs> so annoying. I did, um, did you not find the vocoder like the way he used it was interesting to actually rather than just ev- using everyone it? Everyone uses it just sounds exactly the same to me. I mean, it's just, I see, it I, just kills their their variety and by definition, that's what it does. Is it just pitch bends everything they do but it's to like kind steps. Of, it's it's a thing you're just you're just an old man it's yeah. like it's a thing that people do now and it's yeah, but i mean it's i'm not saying done. i love it I'm, saying, I, I'm not an old man you're an old man if you think it's just it's too <laughs> it's too tired that's the point i'm bored of it but I've is it any more tired than you could say the same about a guitar <laughs> yeah yeah drum kit no you're is right he, there's no variety think... in guitar tone at all i know what you're saying mate <laughs> he uses it like an instrument though he changes it to reflect the music uh, to me, and it just presses the button and turns ways. it on, basically, and then it turns it <laughs> off again periodically. That's, that's Maybe the full you just weren't listening. Um, I did think that things like, talking of guitar tone, there was really nice guitar tone in Corpus Christi as well. I really liked that. And it reminded me of the Frank Ocean track, uh, Self Control, from Blonde, if we did that one a long, long time ago. Remember that yeah. album? Yeah. Um, but I think the Frank Ocean album is generally more interesting than this one um, and has a bit more of the kind of indie direction you're, I think you're referring to, Matt. I yeah. see the Andre 3000 references a lot, but I don't see the Bon Iver, really. Um, Bob and the voc- vocoder, maybe. Yeah. Well, I think the way he's using the vocoder is where I, I draw the parallel. Okay. I think he uses okay. it um, in parallel with the music in a really interesting way. Okay. All right. Um, but don't that's it, fair. But fair enough. Um, so, yeah, so it was just, um, it became, um, to use a musical joke, it became one note. Because the whole thing was put through the vocoder, so it just, <laughs> I just—I couldn't get past that that irritating detail, which they run through the whole album. So um, I think well, it was decent actual flow, decent rapping, and had some interesting things to say. But if you dress it in this trendy thing, then it becomes out of favour eventually, and I lose interest. Sorry. No, that's fine. That's fine. Um, <laughs> Not that sorry. You don't have to apologise. <laughs> I shouldn't apologise. You're allowed. Okay. You're allowed opinions, and it's fine. That's what we're. That's what we're here for. Okay. Um, okay, well, I, I would say there's a lot to admire about this album. I think what what really is interesting about it is just to see an openly gay male rapper being yeah. so un- unashamedly open about this and from just the songs where he sings about his boyfriend to, you know, going as far as talking about being a power bottom and cum chasing. I just think that's like a really positive move in a genre that would not have had that in the past. Um, so that's great. And there's some good storytelling. Lyrically, it's interesting. But um, Matt's called it the most unique. I would say it's so fucking generic. Um, <laughs> just in terms of in terms of music and melody, it is one of the most generic albums I, I've heard in a while. Um, is that because it's too much vocoder? Possibly. Possibly that's part of it. I mean, I <laughs> I'm not a big vocoder fan, except from Bon Iver. Um, but Mrs. What I mean really is the melodies. Like Mississippi is a big example. It's just such a bog standard tune. He's literally just like da 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 da, and it's just like <laughs> it just happens all the way through. And if you look at those elements rather than the the lyrical side and the storytelling, then I'd say it's it's basically R and B by numbers. Mm. It's and I just think it's a real shame that so many of the songs suffer from this setback because he's he's got a lot to say, and it's a brave and interesting album in that regard. But it's just so basic in terms of songwriting. Mm. And I think there's other songs like Peach. It's just such a standard melody. It's just so, it's melodies that I've heard a million times before. So, it, yeah, first couple of times I heard it, I was like, yeah, this is this is interesting because of who he is and the story he's telling. But mm. it, it died very quickly for me. So, yeah. Interesting. And, I, I, and do you see the Frank Ocean thing I was talking about at all? And do you think that comparison, like... I mean, I remember, I remember being bored stiff by Frank Ocean oh, as were, well. Okay. So, I quite like that, yeah. I quite like that uh, over the time. I, I remember, yeah, years. wanting to go to sleep um, through most of Frank Ocean. I think that that's a far better album that does a very similar thing to this, but just does it with more variety, more delicacy, um, and less vocoder. Well, any comeback, Matt? Seems you just like got sort of I know. I, well, for five I minutes. Think- I think the uh, the bit you're missing is that it is for me. It feels like he's kind of magpie stolen from all all kinds of places and brought it together. And though um, some of the bits may feel kind of maybe more generic, having them all together on one album, um, I think is pretty cool. But having so many melodies that are just so basic, does that not? I don't. I just think it's a, it's a catchy album. It's mm. it's. <laughs> it's ah, like catchy, right that's the defense mechanism is catchy because it's 
So basically, it becomes catchy. <laughs> I, <it is laughs> Sorry, that's really out. hard. I apologize. Yeah, yeah. come on, Nick. Hold on. It sounded like a load of ringtones, though, didn't it? That's the thing we come back to a lot, really, on this podcast. Is that, oh. who, who has ringtones? Like, come on. Are you, <laughs> you're still listening to Crazy Fog on your... Uh... It, just, it just sounded like ringtones, but with some stories on top of them. Uh, okay. Well, well I, we it's, it's a great album. Yeah, great. It's great. It's great. It's great. It's great. Is it the best um, hip-hop album you've heard this year, then? Just regarding the two-pack, we'll get to later. Is it, is it up there is with it? the best things you've heard this year for, for hip-hop? I don't, I don't really know. I've had a tough time this year putting my finger on what I've actually enjoyed. Is, is it, is, if we're going to talk hip-hop albums that we've had on the podcast, is, are you going to say this is as good as Little Sims? No. Or Zabba? Um, I prefer this to Zabba. Whoa. I yeah, think you're just saying that. But I think I found it again musically more interesting. But um, yeah. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I think that's time yeah. to move on. Yes. Okay, Nick. Which album did you find the most generic? I hope it wasn't Kevin Abstract because I don't want to talk about that again. <laughs> but which album did you find the most generic? I'm not going to go with that. I'm going to go with the Pup album. Um, okay. Cool. Morbid stuff. Um, so uh, there were some things about this album that I thought were all right. Um, I thought. Some of the bass tones and the bass sort of hooks were quite uh, energizing and kind of exciting. Um, there was some good actual lyrics. Um, I say with a little bit of surprise in my voice, I suppose, but there's some, <laughs> there's some good lyrics in it. I, I wrote one down, for example, um, an opening of one of the songs. Uh, I think it's the See You at the Funeral. The days were a blank and I oh, float around yeah. the edges of them. Uh, and I thought that was a really nice, really nice phrase. Um, and there's there's lots of examples along those lines where I think the lyrics are are quite interesting, intelligent. Um, it's very much within a box, a kind of punk pop box, um, and, yeah. and it doesn't really break from that, with exception of those couple of things I mentioned. Um, and it has the two things which I find really problematic about that genre. Always are there as well in this case. One is the sort of teenage whine of the vocals, the vocalist, um, sort of very <laughs> nasal, sort of tinny, and just um, trying to be aggressive but sounding n- not enough so almost. It doesn't have the weight it needs or it wants to have. Uh, and you could say the same for the production. That's the thing I was going to mention was, was the production is, and I'm sure I've come across this problem before with other podcasts, other albums on the podcast, which is where it wants to be heavier than the production allows it to be like mm, it's, it's yeah, clean yeah. and it's, it's boxed off and, and, you know, well-produced and polished. And it just, there's too much of that for a genre that should be a bit more scary, you know? Um, so I think an example would be, well, almost all of it, but I think an example would be kids. <laughs> kids is a, is a, is an album, is a track where, um, you know, although I did like say the bass on the verse of kids, um, the choruses and, and most of it sounded like they were trying to, break out of something that they, they were a kind of box that they created for themselves a box of the genre and a box of the production um and even though he had interesting things to say in lots of cases in several cases when when he came through with that kind of again that sort of wine that teenage wine um it was off-putting honestly um and that yeah. was kind of a problem for me so so yeah I, I was i was kind of it was a bit of a pity really I, initially i thought oh this this could be something that would get me more into this genre than i have been in the past but i couldn't really shake those things that still stuck with me as, as being a bit of a bit of an impediment to getting through it really yeah so so yeah that was me on that was me on the pop album what do okay. you think well i have to say that i'm i'm quite impressed with you nick for even being able to get that much out of this album to <laughs> just to speak from more than 12 seconds because i have very little to say um i wouldn't have been able to quote any lyrics i wouldn't have been able to name song names really because I, I found it unlistenable um wow. So, yeah, I mean, it just felt like I'd gone back to the, the early noughties, like Blink-182. Oh, very much. That in that, in I that never thing, liked yeah. then and I've never been able to get into. And, and what's the you reason know, you couldn't get into it then? Because I feel like, is that the same stuff I'm talking about? This, this yeah, it's, it's the sort of, the, the, the teenage voice that you talked about is a big big problem for me with this kind of thing. This kind of, it just feels like bands that got stuck in high school and um, just want just want to be... 14 forever and i just it's always screechy it's always too many guitars there's no sort of nuance there's no like let's pair things back a little bit here let's do this let's do that. let's change it it's just a load of songs that sound the same to me all the time um 
there's just no, I just don't have any interest in in it. It's a very sort of I'd see it as like a middle class teenager who wants to pretend they've got problems when they haven't. This kind of music, a teenager, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I just struggle with. It. I just never have any had any interest in in it. Mm. Screechiness, yeah. So yeah. it didn't do anything for me. But I know Matt used to like this kind of. I can, I can definitely. So, yeah, before yeah. this, I'll just say I totally see what you're saying about the Blink One Eighty Two thing, and that's why I mm. answered in terms of the generic, you know, question. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, and there were so many of those bands that came through. You know, I'm, I was pretty staggered that an album like this came up at this point in time. Really, I'm surprised this. But we've had a few of them on the podcast over the time. Like, what was that one that you picked? I think when we were still doing this with Nermal, and it was, um, it was similar to this album. I'm not going to be able to remember the name now, mm. so it's pointless mentioning it. But it was. Um, <laughs> It similarly was, yeah. stuck within a box like yeah this, just yeah. this kind of I like when you see this kind of album and you hear the first song you just know what you're getting for the next mm. 12 songs you don't need yeah. to listen to it mm. you just know yeah, so, yeah. sorry Matt anyway. interrupt you you go for it Matt oh no you didn't interrupt me um I thought this album was great I really <laughs> liked it I this yeah you you guys are right it's a genre it's yeah. a genre album um but I haven't heard an album hit this genre so well in a very very long time i think mm. we've heard like i feel like we listened a couple months ago we listened to fiddler and i would say this is yeah. it's not the same but it's adjacent wow and they That's... did such a poor job oh yeah and then this is way like, better than that. i totally agree with you this is fabulous what? seriously better. like what's fiddler... the difference between the two they're no, both no, terrible no, no, no. fiddler like, was lyric, so macho like... fiddler was so like bombastic and macho compared to this this yeah. is much more nuanced i can't I see a difference they know what they're good at. And I think, yeah, like, I think I'm glad Nick picked up on some of the lyrics because I think lyrically is really interesting. I think he um, focuses a lot on nuance. And you, you're talking about, you, uh, Fran, you mentioned how, like, it's just, like, kids with problems that don't really matter. <laughs> well, he's talking about, like, real relationships. This is, uh, yeah. he's, like, three, three or four albums in. Like, these aren't children. And so he's talking about, having to deal and come to terms with relationships that aren't working um, relationships that are falling apart and blaming himself and blaming them and then moving on from that. All sounds very and teenage to me. The gray space in between. Well, yeah. He's allowed to be a teenage. <laughs> if he, I mean, you're saying he's not a teenager. Maybe that's the problem. But I mean, in principle, to have teenage topics in, in song is not actually itself a mistake, is it necessarily? If you no, are a teenager... I have to admit to being like completely blind to anything that was in this album because this kind of genre just immediately makes me switch off. So I, I wouldn't be surprised I'd, if I missed things. But Yeah, I'll print you out the lyrics. Because some, some of them are really, uh, like in Kids, he uses, uh, he keeps switching between um, whether he's using double negatives or not to um, whether he actually cares about his significant other. Um, and it's it's kind of... It took me a couple of listens to realize what was going on. And it seemed, it's kind of like that's slightly nuanced. And um, he's saying that he he does care about her, but then also doesn't care about her because things have fallen apart. Um, um, and yeah, I, there's also kind of playful. I, I like really like the line where he was talking about see you at your funeral. And he's talking about he's going to see her someday in the supermarket. And he wants her to see him like at his best buying organic goods. I thought that's really, <laughs> really dumb. But it's the kind of dumb shit you think about after a breakup that like that's hurts funny. you badly. And mm. um, and so like, yeah, I thought it was uh, really interesting. And like this album, I've actually seen some people put in there like some of the best albums that I've had. Because we've reached the midpoint of the year, and yeah, I really. would, I would say, because it's so good at its specific genre, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like dismiss that offhandedly. That surprises me. I mean, I, w I wouldn't go. You know, I thought there was some redeeming things, but I, I certainly wouldn't put it in top half. Yeah, See, I, I've seen good reviews of it, and I've seen, I've really? seen like even I think I quite often look at. I mean, Pitchfork's a mixed bag, but they gave it like seven point five or something. Yeah. So it's it yeah. It's, there's really nothing in this in this genre really anymore that really is good. <laughs> like, then, has, has there ever been though? That's that's your concern. Yeah, for well, me. like, there's a re <laughs> there's a reason Green Day were massive, right? There's a reason that Blink One Eight Two are massive. All right, I like, like they made. Yeah, it's all this. Like, they all went on Warp Tour together. Yeah, but right? a Green Day, right? If I listen to a Green Day album, they they would be like 
changes in that album. There would be songs that sounded different. They would do a ballad. They would do a really heavy oh, song. They would they would change things. I, mean, I don't listen to them anymore. But yeah. when when they were big, there was variation across this album and across their albums. And I just don't see that with this or with any of the other stuff I know of this. I mean, it, the Green Day analogy is, is a bit like Rage Against the Machine versus all the new metal that came out after it. Yeah. I feel like you know, I'm, I'm not a huge Green Day fan, honestly, ever. But I do see that that's a, they're more of a genre defining band. All the other bands are kind of. The, the kind of slightly, well, very much weaker versions that to try and replicate yeah, that. Yeah, I, I, I would but, give you yeah. that. I would give you that. So I don't know if uh, that's, yeah, I don't, yeah, anyway. I don't know if that's totally fair to talk about Green no. Day in this band. One is cutting but, a new path and the other's following that wake. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, there um, you go. Did we just all agree on something for the first time today? Um, <laughs> okay, is that, are we... That's any, all for Pop, I think, yeah. That's done. Absolutely. Okay, well, Matt, you've really liked both of the ones we've discussed so far, so tell, tell me one of the albums that you didn't like from this um, list. Oh. Let's go for Rihanna. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. I like I, I I would say I probably like pop music more than you guys. I think that's yeah. fair to say. Yeah. Um, but I really struggled with this. I I was excited after like, you're so I saw diplomatic the... with struggled with this. You know, you yeah. Today is what you're saying. You just don't want to say it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I really really didn't like it. I like <laughs> I I was excited at the beginning. I like the imagery associated with it, and then like the opening track. It's like heavy, like kind of drum and bass and stuff. I thought it was going to carry on with this like dark broodiness and have like a really dark tone. Um, but I, after like two songs, stupid in love comes on and it's just like, Oh, we've, we've really like just you turned on this. And it just, to me, none of it really fits together. And I like, she's claiming she's a rock star in the middle of the, the album. And I'm just, <laughs> Like what is Slash doing on this? I was just going to really... say Slash is on that track. Yeah, Slash just... could be anywhere he wants me. Yeah, it just it all feels a bit melodramatic, and it just feels like uh this classic thing of oh I'm I'm a young young pop star and I've broken in with my like classic pop music and now I'm going to be all edgy and it really isn't edgy at all and it's not cool. It's just a bit crap. Um. <laughs> Uh, it's just a package to sell albums. Um, like, yeah, I don't know. Actually, I don't. I was never like really that? listened to her album before, and she can't sing that well either. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Okay. Well, well, okay. Yeah. Nick? Not great. Shall I go? Or are you, Fran? Yeah, go for it, mate. All right. Um, I'm really uh, frustrated because I have such a complicated narrative I wanted to read through about this album. Um, and then, Do it. Um, because you know, as you can say, it's as you, you sort of say, Matt, it's so radical and crazy from the outset. It's such a sort of roller coaster ride with Madhouse at the start. It's obviously called Rated R, which implies a little bit dangerous. It's tough as well. She has this lyric on the way you turn, I'm such a fucking lady. You don't have to be so afraid. It's got metal in it, like some sort of in Firebomb, for example. It's got like metal <laughs> guitars and stuff. It's also, um, a kind of vocal tour de force with almost <laughs> with almost no processing on her vocals uh, at all. <laughs> I just can't keep a straight face. I'm sorry. I, I'm going to have to give up with this argument. Um, it's an absolutely shocking piece of plastic pop, um, which is in, just an embarrassing, honestly, in every respect. And, and I, would, I would call it a musical sedative, actually. It really annoyed me that the, re- the sort of radical nature she's trying to push across this, as, as Matt's kind of implied, I think, as well. Just trying to push across this album because I think there's a mass of people who somehow are being told that this is something really unhinged and really exciting and different and wild. And there is access to all these other musics which are massively more inventive and creative. And, and this is just, again, like a sedative, like making you feel like, oh, well, this is, you know, soporific, you know, since you yeah. feel accept this as, as the radical thing. So, um, I mean, things like, and it's also. Um, like Russian Roulette was another one that really annoyed me um, because of the, well, partly because of the gunshot at the end, which I thought was just so melodramatic shit, really. But um, it sounds like a Bond, <laughs> a very terrible Bond theme. Um, I mean, worse than a Bond theme, and I don't like Bond themes. Um, None of them. Not really, no. Um, no. So. Nobody does it better. And, and <laughs> I'm 
not going to go through all the Bond themes. Save me, please. What, what about every music bag? Come on, you got to like that song. I don't really like that song. No, no? sorry. Um, she she's from the start. I'm just going to move on from the start of her. Uh, anything I know about her, Jesus Christ! Anything I know of her, like career, has been unbelievable amount of vocal processing. We were talking about that vocoder thing earlier. At least that's a device that's used in an obvious way. You know, like you can tell us. This is so processed and so fake. This is so fake. It just pisses me off that she's coded. It's all been coded through tons of computers to make it sound like she can sing. I don't know. Maybe she can. I mean, Matt says she doesn't think he's that good singer. Maybe she's a great... I have no idea because we don't hear it. All we hear is a computer processing about 50 different levels of what she was singing originally, which I think is just disingenuous, you know? I mean, there's one thing to try and tidy up and do the best take you can, but this is out of order. This is really out of order. So <laughs> it really, really pissed me off. It's just... It really is just completely throwaway. Um, and I say, it's sad. It's just sad because... People think that she's, you know, she, they're doing something exciting by listening to this, and they're really not at all. They're really, uh, really not. So yeah, I, other than that, I loved that it. That was savage. I really hope you like some of the later albums, Nick, because I feel really bad for you. <laughs> <laughs> she wrote everything. That was savage, Nick. <laughs> sorry, uh, oh, sorry. And I spoke to somebody on the on the uh, one of the other writers on the the, uh, the website. Yeah, no, uh, actually, Tom, um, and he said, "Oh, I like I like Rihanna. She's all right." And I was just like. In shock, you know, like well, the people are just. Well, I it. liked it. What? I liked what? it. <laughs> you stuck that in <laughs> really then. quietly. Go on then. I liked it. Go on then. Have your time. Like, honestly, I thought that I chose this because I wanted to like give myself a bit of a test with some pop music. I'm not really a pop music person. I'm quite snobby about it. Yeah, me too. I'll admit I'm snobby about it like, as well. I actually think it was kind of a successful experiment for me. I think I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. Um, like okay, I'm not going to be going out and buying Rihanna records. I'm not going to be going to see a see a concert. But I did actually think I was able to enjoy this record for what it is. Like I put aside a little bit of that snobbery that Nick's just displayed in space. Oh, I'm, I'm very snobbish about it. Pup? I'm not saying I'm not. Yeah. What was that, Matt? Why didn't you do that for Pup? Because <laughs> Pup was like, I can't appreciate that for anything. It was just okay. screechy okay. teenagers. I'll let you carry but, on. Like there's some good stuff in this, you know. There's there's some interesting stuff. She, I think you're right. The ballads, like she's, are abysmal. Like <laughs> when she when she slows it down and sings, it's not. I'm I'm not into that. She's she, she's better when she's kind of almost rapping. I like her voice when it's when it's a kind of rapping. You've never type. heard her voice, I'm afraid. Well, you have when she's. I think when she's singing, you're right. It's very processed. But I think actually the the more hip hop style song, the dubstep elements to it. Are, there is there is something in there. And I actually think some of it's quite interesting in, in the fact this is the album that came out after the horrible incident with Chris Brown. And I think she addresses that on a couple of songs. And I think there's, there's you know, there's some interesting stuff around that. Um, and yeah, and other times it's incredibly facile with songs like Rockstar, which is just horrible. But yeah, in general, there's songs like Hard, Firebomb, Rude Boy, photographs i kind of thought she's just you know she's good at what she does um it might not necessarily be my thing and i'm not going to spend loads of time with her again but you know i don't think you can actually although you two both have strongly i don't think you can argue against her ability in her arena i think she's you know she's she's interesting she's decent i, I mean, enjoyed she literally, it she literally built a career off that song that umbrella song which umbrella is literally too. It's literally like, like a sample of her vo- voice chopped up, like by a computer. I mean, it's th- it's a definition of what her vocals are all the way through, which Umbrella's is completely invented by a computer. <laughs> Sorry. Well, that, I'm ranting now. I like the music. Then you can have a uh, have a song made with a computer, right? Yeah, but it's disingenuous to pretend that she's actually doing it when it's not. I mean, Aphex Twin does it with a computer. That's fine, but he's not sitting around trying to make out he's a singer, is he? But she... Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Not everything she's done does not have him, her singing. Him. It's like, I mean, why? How am I ending up defending Rihanna? <laughs> that is a bit of a shock. What is yeah. happening? That is a bit of a shock to the system. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah. all right, fair I, enough. Yeah, I didn't I, hate it, and I expected to, and I kind of enjoyed it, and it was one of my favorites on this playlist. Yeah. <laughs> but that's yeah. not necessarily saying a lot. Um, yeah. All right, okay. let's move on then. Do we move on? Yeah. Um, Why don't you start your... one, Fran? Me? Yeah. 
Well, you haven't started one? one, you have you? Choose one, choose one. Deptford Golf or local natives? Why do you start with local natives? Yeah. Okay. Um, fucking hell. Just a bit <laughs> Don't do anything else. Just do the sigh and then we'll just, just stop you talking now. That's your whole statement. <laughs> local, local natives, Violet Street. Um, I'm sad about this album um, because I really like the previous two albums. And I didn't hate this, but I just found it a bit nothingy. Um, there's a couple of highlights on it, but in general, I just wonder how long they can coast along on this same shtick that they've got, just like this kind of cheery sound masking darker lyrics, but not really saying that much. And for me, if these, if you played this album and the previous album, I wouldn't be able to pick them apart. I can't, I can't tell the difference. And, you know, I don't hate it. It's catchy. It's upbeat. It's got, a few good songs, but really, I just find it very uninspiring. Um, when am I going to lose you? Is good. I like shy, but then tap dancer, the song that closes it, is just so standard local <laughs> natives. It just sounds like every other local native song, that it just feels pointless. I feel like they've almost become derivative of themselves, if that's a possibility. Yeah. I'm just bored at this point. I wanted something more exciting, and I'm, I'm a bit yeah. I'm they're playing at Gorilla in Manchester, and I was definitely considering going but I, I i can't put myself through it because it, I, just, I just found it really boring yeah that's me right. matt. matt i know uh, nick's a fan so we'll leave nick till last i was wondering if you'd mentioned something but you didn't i felt like in this album they did change a little bit and that little bit they changed was they wanted to be radiohead and right. i felt like his vocals and the way he's using his voice has changed because he wants to sound a bit more like tom york okay and then you Never picked out you picked out Shy. It's Shy just feels like they want to make their there. Okay, so like the songs thing. that I like are ones that sound a bit radio ready then is what <laughs> yeah, you Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. I just yeah. like, they're trying to do something a little bit more, but not much, but they're trying to, I, and it just doesn't work. <laughs> I yeah. find it also really boring. I think the only, yeah, good song is maybe Shy and When I'm Gonna Lose You, which yeah, you said. I picked out, yeah, When I'm Gonna Lose yeah. You. Is and it's the second song, and I thought when that came on, I was like, oh, this is going to be interesting, but no. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think the only reason they're doing all right is because most like indie pop bands of their like generation have disappeared, and so they have no competition. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so they can just wow. clean up. And like, wow. like the more ethereal stuff, I think they've kind of realized that the band's doing that better as well, so they're maybe mm. trying to do something a bit weirder like like grizzly bear grizzly bear have always been better i think than local natives and i think they've come to terms with that and mm. try to do something different and it seems a bit i've got to say to regardless of my opinion of it if you're saying they're both boring but they're also doing something different i'm, I'm slightly i don't quite see the how well, those two things connect just as a general they're question trying to do something a little bit different by just copying another band <laughs> okay <laughs> I feel like we're getting a theme on this on this episode of like right. things being a bit generic and a bit um, yeah. same as other things, which mm. is is interesting. But, right. Yeah, right. Are you done, Matt? Nick? I'm done. Yeah, I'm just not excited by it. It was not bad. It just wasn't good. So yeah. as Fran pointed out, I have been a fan of this band for a long time. Um, they've done. I think I'm right in saying they've got three albums. This is their fourth. Um, yeah, and you're right. Yeah. When you say um, this album is like the last one very much. I, I can't agree with you, honestly. I, I think it's much more like the first one um, than the next two. And the, and the, the, the Hummingbird one and, and, the new, and the last one, Sunlit Youth, um, were much more coherent than this mm. one is. Um, this one returns to something that's a bit more um, sometimes stilted or um, doesn't quite fit together at certain points. Um, but anyway, I'll, I'll come back to that in a moment. I'll just say that the album opens, I think, very, very beautifully, actually. I think Vogue is a really fantastic way to, to sort of bring those strings in and make and kind of make the album swell before it gets into what is obviously the kind of single, When Am I Going to Lose You? Mm, Maybe yeah. it I don't know if it, it probably is a single. I don't know. I assume but, it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, and it is very much um, leading into that, and that's a very standard way of making an album, I guess, but it's, it's just extremely well done to have that little vignette at the start so i really i really thought that really warmed me to the album from the start i did like when i'm gonna lose you as even though it's a single i generally don't like singles but even then I, I did like that song um i thought um song the weaker songs were things like uh cafe amarillo which were carried by the harmonies that they do an awful lot at the time um 
and I think that's a bit of a um, a bit of a thin basis for it to carry a whole song. I mean, they're, they're, they've always been very good at harmonies, honestly, and they do like sometimes four part harmonies on, on songs and stuff, and it's it's interesting. Um, but I think this that song is a good example of where, like in the first album, they were they weren't really basing it on anything solid enough to build a whole song, you know. Mm. Um, so uh, this was I, I really liked Shy. As you'd said, I think both you yeah. said. I really liked. Um, I actually really liked Tap Dancer. Honestly, I, I thought that was actually quite a nice song. And overall, I think I did like the album. Um, I like, for example, things like On Megaton Mile. Um, and I thought Fran would probably hate this, um, <laughs> but uh, I, I really like the bouncing kind of bass part. I find it quite <laughs> sort of endearing. And I would assume that I, I was assuming that Fran was going to say it was like the Y Oak album because that's that's a, a band that seems to me to be a bit similar. Why Oak? Um, I mean, yeah, I probably preferred it to the Why Oak album, but okay. Know, but I, I think it's got lot. that sunny sort of um, West Coast kind of thing going on. Yeah, which, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, and I'm sure about the Radiohead references. I don't, I don't really see the Radiohead thing myself, but I'm, I'm not, I mean, I'm not against that particularly. Obviously, I like Radiohead, so that's fine. Yeah. But um, but yeah. So uh, in a playlist with um, a lot of stuff I wasn't into, this is probably. I mean, disregard the two pack. This is this is solidly the best of the albums, I think. Um, for me, mm, not yeah, as good so. as Rihanna. Oh my god, that, is, <laughs> that was just intended to piss me off, and it worked. So thank you. Um, Generally prefer the Rihanna. No, you didn't. You don't genuinely. You're lying now. You're just saying that to piss me off. There's no way you'd think that for re- in reality. Um, I enjoyed the that. Rihanna more. I did oh. enjoy the Rihanna more. I think because the local names frustrated me because I wanted it to, I expected to really like it and I expected it to yeah. be an album that I got something out of and I didn't. So actually the surprise of not hating the Rihanna was probably, I enjoyed that more than I enjoyed being pissed off with local natives for doing something that I found a bit bland. Fran, you're so depressing. You just depress me, honestly. With so many comments. <laughs> I just want to let you know. Um, yeah, so basically, I, I generally, I generally liked it. I listened to it quite a bit, and um, I probably will go back to it. Although I don't, again, Hummingbird. If anyone is interested in the band and sort of gets anything out of this, yeah. I think Hummingbird is the one before, to, you know, the second album yeah. is fantastic. Hummingbird's That's a the best, great album, and produced much better by than this one. Aaron Des- Desner from the National, which right. I think may be part of the reason it's could the well, best album. Could could well be a factor. Yeah. It's so anyway, that's producer. a brilliant album. Um, and Sunny Youth is also very nice, but this one and the first one are a bit weaker. But I still thought worth a go. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, and I me. like Sunny Youth. And when I said that they were like similar, I think it's just that I think I needed to see something different from them. And Sunny Youth's mm. better than this album, but there are there's the same sort of structure I find, and the same sort of set of songs, and the same sort of. Mm. Just it was interesting not- that I, I kept thinking we saw them, Fran, yeah. right before the night before the election. The American election, I think, yeah. or two, yeah. one or two days before, and there's a song about which I wondered if it was about that period because they were on tour and they, when Adam they were voted, yeah, 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 um, and I, I just thought maybe because they're talking about going across on a uh, on a ferry from Dover and hearing the news and being really upset about it and not being thinking we'd never do this again. I can't remember which song it was now, but yeah. mm. anyway, so. Um, just really interesting uh, that they, yeah. they we might have actually been sort of close to witnessing a time when they wrote a song, if, if I'm right, as a guess. But yeah, well, there was a song on 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 Sunday Youth, wasn't there, where they they sing about Hillary Clinton. Mm. Um, so obviously they are is something they are switched. Oh on yeah, to they mentioned. I remember they were... talking about it in the gig actually. Yeah, before the yeah, election. Yeah. But this, yeah. I wonder if this yeah. song is actually come out of the day after that would be kind of amazing. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, that's all I've got to say. But I, I thought it was worth yeah. a go. People should should give it check it out. I think. Cool. 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 All right, well, Nick, do you want to carry on and take us to Deptford Goths? I will. Dragon on the Road to Heaven? Sure, yeah, I will. Um, so I will say first that I have known Deptford Goths music for a while and was a big fan of an album. I think it's two albums ago, though, one just called Songs. I found it to be very sort of delicate and slight and sort of restrained in a, in a in, you know, really beautiful way, actually, I think. Very mm. small production, but, but very... Um, personal and intimate um this album was quite frustrating compared mm-hmm. to that in fact i think that's probably an understatement very frustrating compared to that experience of listening to songs um it had some of the same kind of nice swooping synths and stuff which i was quite into 
but um, it had a lot of jarring sounds, which sounded either kind of cheap in production terms or even some points a little bit silly, honestly. They sounded mm. a little bit like a sort of parody of, of real instrumentation. Now, obviously, Depth mm. of Goth is not a huge artist. He's not going to have to go in the studio and get a, you know, a, an orchestra in to record all his stuff. But, I, I mean, yeah. as somebody who, who has some production stuff at home myself, I think you could he could probably have worked up these tones more so they sounded a bit more polished than they do now. They sound, let's say, either cheap or sometimes a little bit kind of... Like, well, for example, I'll give an example. The, the opening track, I think it's Tooth, isn't it? Um, is that right? Um, yeah. There has, has this sort of, from the very first bar, has this kind of beeping sound. It's like boop, boop sound, which I find very, almost a little bit silly. It's jarring to the point of being a little bit silly. And that carries on mm-hmm. through the whole song. And it, and it really was kind of distracting. And then there's another example would be in the song Chairs. There were these trumpets in it. Uh, and the, and I say they're trumpets. They're definitely not trumpets. They sound like trumpets <laughs> played on like a kid's keyboard or something, you know, like that my son would have. It, it. It's just really weird. So it's disappointing because, again, I don't want to slate the guy. I think he's done really good work in the past. I'll also say on the lyrical front, there was some good stuff, um, lots of good stuff in the previous album and previous albums. This one is fine too occasionally, but has some bits that are also a bit like with the tones are a bit almost silly um so i'll give you an example actually i wrote one down yeah so from chairs again um the englishman's home is his castle but is it really it doesn't count for much if you're there on your own i like that really yeah Yeah, i think that's quite that's one of my favorite parts of the album okay so (laughs) i just to me that just seemed very like mundane honestly i just thought it was like i get it it's 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 just stuck in your it is sad it is sad but it's also not that exciting not that clever it just seemed like it was just like yeah i get it he's in his castle but he's lonely i I get it it's just i don't know and maybe it's because (laughs) maybe it's in comparison to the other album i'm I'm doing that quite a bit i mean i don't know the other albums so yeah so songs is is worth having a go if if you Mm. like anything out of this i think you'll love songs um so yeah all in all um frustrating uh, a bit disappointing but i i wouldn't write the guy off because he's done great stuff and there's still a lot of skills in there um i just want him to make sure the songs sound um as authentic as they can given the constraints of what i'm sure is a tiny budget and whatever and his home setup or whatever so yeah that's what that's me fair enough matt yeah um so this um i've had an interesting relationship with because i felt like uh, when i first listened to it i was like oh god (laughs) 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 um but actually like a lot of my opinions about this uh like the music we listened to this month uh, didn't really change at all um this one really grew on me though um it started off really the the worst on the list worse than rihanna and then (laughs) it's i'd say it's not the best but it's also uh very much like upper middle of the pack for me <laughs> uh i thought it's i really like the vocals in it i i love the, the like the kind of 80s-esque uh style the vocals mm. kind of have to them um i don't know how you make your voice sound like that i don't know if it's just his voice is like that his voice is um, good. yeah it's, it's, yeah he has a really sweet but sort of has, tone to his voice i agree yeah yeah it's like a kind of a new wave voice. aesthetic and it's just yeah i re- like i'm totally down with that um and I liked the kind of spare musicality to it. It's not jam-packed, but there are layers. Um, it reminds me a lot of, like, Rye and Anoni. Um, but it did feel a bit more limited than them. It, like, they are both better musically and vocally, I think. So it was kind of just, it was interesting, but also not quite, uh, it didn't blow me away. Um, but... I also like my favorite song on it is Weirder in here. And I would listen to that. And I felt like this like three, four minute song would go past in like one minute because I was so engaged with it. But broadly the album seemed to drag a bit. So it, it was, it was kind of two step forwards, two step back. I oh, felt okay. like right. the whole time. I will, I will just drop in one last thing, which for my thing, which is to say, I, th- I totally agree with Fran that the name of the album is really poor. It's really, <laughs> oh yeah, it's it kind of really, goes along like, with what, what you is... said about it being silly, doesn't it? It's yeah. a silly title. It is a silly title. I think that's so true. It fit in that sense. It's a good name because it fits yeah. musically that the album does a lot. But anyway, sorry. I, it sounds like the title is like a five. If your five-year-old wrote a book, 
they would call it that. <laughs> Who's the, this is my this... story about a muddy dragon on the road to heaven. <laughs> but it does it does feel like it's bed full of platitudes and like uh, you're the ugly duckling and you're going to survive and become a swan. Mm. Great. <laughs> Great. Okay. All right, Fran. Well, I'm going to keep with the theme of, of the evening. Um, in the For me, there's so many times on this album when he sounds like a budget version of a better band or artist. Yeah. Um, so I think quite often there's an element of Bon Iver, who we've already spoken about tonight, who I think he, he probably is a pretty big fan of Bon Iver. Um, I think songs like Tooth, You Can't Pay It All and Kind of Madness, they they all sound very derivative of Bon Iver. Um, then there's a song called Chaos Magic and one called June and a couple of others I think that sound like almost exactly like Hot Chip when they do their slower songs mm. except actually Hot Chip do it better um, yeah. and for me that all ends up being pretty frustrating because the album's kind of a mishmash of sounds it never feels very coherent it's it's mixing up a lot of styles and too often it sounds like someone else but then when he does his own thing, is the more unique songs, he's a lot more interesting. So Nick's mentioned the negative from this song, but songs like Chairs, Chairs, Love and A Body in the World, I thought were all much more u- unique. I thought he got a chance to show off his voice more with them. And I think there was a, even a like sinister element to them as well, which, which made it stand out from some of the stuff that was just very, very sort of bland. So Is it because, okay. so with Chairs then, just picking up on that one for a second. Yeah. I found that very stilted, the beat in that, for example. The beat, is, that, is that what you mean by different? Because it well, doesn't maybe it flow was, yeah. well. It, was, it's, it's, to me it, was it, wasn't, it of, wasn't like the stuff that, for me, I immediately... It was one of the songs that when I heard it, I didn't think, oh, this sounds like this person. Hmm. I thought this, this is different. It's kind of interesting. It was a bit stilted, but I kind of think that was part of what it was okay. doing. Okay. Um, and I, I liked that song. Uh, I liked Love and I liked Body in the World. Um, I just think... There's potential there, and he, but he needs to find his sound and sort of stick to it and choose what he wants to be and not try and be like a lot of other people. But like you say, Nick, if it's someone who's you know building a lot of his own stuff in his, I'm in guessing, his I'm guessing. bedroom, yeah, yeah. if he's you know he's there's some he's, he's not terrible by any means. I mean, it was yeah. one of my third albums on this list, um, but it was just frustrating because I felt like those those songs that were so similar to other artists. I mean, Chaos Magic and June sound like they've come directly off a Hot Chip album. Um, and I just think it's a shame because the, there was something interesting about him, but he just didn't really nail it for me. It was too incoherent. Yeah. Mm. But I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I honestly, to be, to be completely honest, I hope he's doing it like through the small production value. Because if he, if he went into a proper studio and recorded something like that trumpet sound <laughs> out, out of chairs, that, that is, that's a huge mistake then. That's not just a question of limitations or, you know, that's just throwing something in without thinking about it. I think. Even people... I, like, think, I think he's better than that, personally. But we talk about, like, Tallest Man on Earth does all of his stuff in his bedroom mm. and whatever, and it, you, can do, you can do more than what this guy did. And, yeah. you know, you do your own stuff, Nick. It's, mm. you know, I'm not going to comment on it, but <laughs> I'm, sure you, I'm sure you wouldn't put those trumpet sounds on a song, would you? So, I don't, no, I don't think I would, but who knows? Although I challenge you to do so for your next yeah. EP. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that's good then. Right. So we're, we're through those, I think, aren't we? We're through those. Let's, should we, should we, what do we think of the playlist? We, you know, leaving yeah. off Tupac, we're not, we've not had a very positive night, have we? Is it better than last month? I can't even remember last month. What so did we last have? Month we oh, had... yeah. Um, last yeah. month was Abba, potentially the worst. American I mean, I loved the Lucy Puritans album last time. So I had an album that I really did love whereas i didn't have that this time we had yeah. dave um, on the last one yeah, yeah. i think these, these are mostly like they range from like fine to good yeah. but nothing nothing yeah. apart from rihanna nothing terrible and nothing great yeah, i haven't heard a great album in a while it's getting me down mm. i've got a little bit of um optimism about our next list which we'll discuss at the end but i feel like yeah. there's i've got some yeah i think there's some good stuff some on there potential. hopefully yeah cool okay um, right, so yeah, so I'm pretty shit, really. Pretty shit, let's say. That was a pretty <laughs> shit playlist. Okay, Tupac. Um, okay, so yeah, I'm going to tell you why I love Tupac. Um, and I want to start by saying what a valuable experience it was for me to actually do this, to go back, because Tupac was someone who 
when I was a teenager, um, you know, late teens, early twenties, I, I was really into him. I had posters on the wall. I, you know, even considered getting a tattoo. I watched all of his films. I did, you know, I was obsessed with the guy. So, but then it's kind of become like, I spoke at the end of the last episode about how I used to love Tupac, but wasn't sure I could still say that. And I think that was a lot down to do with like the, the gangster image and stuff that isn't really as in step with what I am into these days. But I think after doing this, after putting this playlist together and spending a month with it, I, I can definitely say that I do still love Tupac and it's been a really sort of, um, yeah, useful thing for me to do. So I think over time, Tupac kind of became to people the person that you see on some of the songs I included here, like Ambitions as a Rider and Two of America's Most Wanted. He became that like gangster image, but maybe people forget the artist who also wrote songs like Changes and Dear Mama. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I mean that's where I started with Tupac was was Changes. That was my my first song that I heard, and at that point my gateway into hip hop, which is interesting. Matt wrote a piece on the website this week about Jay Z being his sort of gateway into hip hop. Mm. And yeah. mine was you mean on our website. You mean is that what you're referring on to? On our website, pickybees.com, which we've not mentioned yet. It's a really good article. It's a really good website. A really good website. Anyway, let's get back to it. Mm. But yeah, my gateway into hip hop had been Eminem. So as an intro to the genre, I I chose the only white rapper other than (laughs) Vanilla Ice. (laughs) So I hadn't really, you know, gone into hip hop learning about the racial politics that kind of define it. So when I heard changes, um, that kind of was a big thing for me. Um, Again, I spoke a bit in a really old episode about Skunk and Nancy, and I spoke about um, that being someone singing about racism, which was something I experienced a little bit of, obviously nowhere near to the degree that Tupac probably did, but it was something I'd experienced and didn't really have anyone around me who I could sort of bounce that off. So when I heard changes, and particularly the second verse, which still hits me really hard now, which starts with the lyric... I see no changes. All I see is racist faces. And then it goes on to discuss like black on black crime, the far off dream of a black president and how they weren't ready for a black president. And I'd argue that that's still the case now because of what's happened after Obama. But anyway, different point. Mm. Um, and then it talks about like how hard it is to bring up a young black man in that society when there's so many pressures. And it just kind of really opened my eyes up to a whole new type of music. Um, and I just want to remind you at this point, as I will on several occasions, that that this is someone who died when he was 25. So that he could be so insightful, so young and on so many songs, that I just find pretty unbelievable. And I think that's one of the things that really became clear to me again over this last month, that he was just such a thoughtful artist. And it was a particularly good reminder for me to hear songs like Keep Your Head Up, Brenda's Got a Baby and Dear Mama, where... Um, you know, we see the feminist side of him and the really thoughtful side that, that I think really does get forgotten, forgotten, sorry. And I think, obviously, there are reasons why that gets forgotten and it would be disingenuous not to talk about them a little bit. Um, I included songs like Hit Em Up on the playlist because that's also a big part of his history. He's kind of the first person to do a real diss song. Now, Hit Em Up was um, about Biggie and it start, starts with talking about how he fucked his wife and how he was going to slap her and all this kind of thing. So there was a lot of, you know, the bravado side of things, um, which is why a lot of people do love him. But I think, you know, you would argue they were the missteps that he made. And I used to be in that gang- into that gangster side of his persona when I was younger, but that's kind of what, again, what this made me realise during this, this, this month and having a bit of a different perspective on life nowadays is like how much of a mask that was for him. And like, again, he was 25 when he died, which means he was writing the majority of these songs in his, his late teens and early 20s. So for one thing, like what might he have gone on to do? But who knows? But what, what it kind of makes me think is like the the sort of side of his character that has not probably aged well is he was a, a young lad. And in a lot of ways, what this leaves me with, and like we spoke about with Biggie, is it leaves me with quite a lot of sadness, I would say, a real sense of sadness listening to this music again. Because I think someone who was so insightful about racial politics, about the difficulties of growing up as a young black American, and who was, you know, on his way to being a feminist with with some things that you would argue against that make him not a feminist, but still, 
He was also a poet. But even so, someone as amazing as this was not able to escape the societal ills that he was subjected to. And he just raps so intelligently about these issues and was also completely preoccupied with death. Like a lot of the songs that I've included here, he's talking about his own death. I think he knew that he wasn't going to make it through mm. his twenties. And I think that's just a, such a sad ind- indictment of America in this era. Um, now I'm going to move over to you guys in a little bit, but I, I ended the playlist with a song called life goes on. And the, the chorus of that song repeats the refrain, how many brothers fell victim to the streets and in the end, I think that's kind of what's so important about Tupac, like both his songs and his life story. He's, he's a testament to that sort of sickness in society. And that's what makes his music so important. And I think for me, that connection to hearing someone sort of talk about race and talking about um, all of these, you know, all these factors was a really big connection for me. And it's kind of, I think now that I've gone back and spent some time with him, I was able to sort of, get that respect back from him and realise how amazing he was. So, yeah, on that happy note, I'll pass over to, to you guys. <laughs> but um, who wants to go first? I don't mind. Pick yeah. one. Matt. Okay. Um, yeah, I like, I guess I'll pick up where you left off. I Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, I, I, was, I really hadn't listened to Tupac ever, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and my impression of him was built on that kind of, image that he portrayed and also from talking to people like you who remember listening to him and taking that image in when they're teenagers and so i was really surprised in a really positive way about the diversity of messages that he was putting across exactly as you were saying yeah um i think compared to like when we listened to uh biggie uh the the there wasn't the over misogyny i don't think <laughs> yeah in in his stuff and like like you were saying a lot of his stuff is actually like proper feminist shit so it was <laughs> that was really like surprising and something I, I really appreciated and it was really sad like he he talks about how he feels like his daughter's going to be okay because he's selling enough albums to support her yeah and it's just that acceptance of fate is just like it's so so depressing Mm. and then uh also like the way he talks about like society and the systems at the time and like things haven't changed yeah that's what's that's what gets you going back to it i think isn't it that yeah we are now is yes people talking about the same about now couldn't he yeah 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 like yeah, like the yeah, you get the the modern di- modern day uh, group of rappers who are, have the same topics and trying to make the same and like things may be slightly better, but it's still the police, it's still drugs, it's still racism, yeah, it's yeah. still gun violence, um, and so uh, that's kind of sad. But like listening to the, I re- yeah I'm really glad I, I I listened to this and now I appreciate Tupac for what he did and I appreciate his his skill because he has uh, a very like he doesn't have the flow that Biggie does does yeah. but he has a way I think a really visceral voice and and uh, yeah so I thought it was really really it was the best thing uh, we had here so <laughs> Good. I mean, I don't think that's saying a lot, but good. Yeah. I'm glad you you thought that. Yeah. Cool. Okay, shall I jump in? Yeah. Yeah, so interesting you say about the flow versus Biggie. um, And I'm glad we've done both of these artists now. And and also we've done Naz as well, haven't we? So we've done a a Mm. huge set of of major figures in this. Um, And I think uh, his flow does compare, does stand up well to Biggie's actually. And um, I thought, lyrically, I thought he was great. And you could tell, as I was, I had heard at least, that he was kind of a poet as much yeah. as a, as much as a, a rapper, uh, or at least as well as a rapper, um, and I, you know, you could really tell there was some there was some really very very powerful moments. Um, like Thugs Mansion has got this phrase I wrote down: um, "Picture me inside the misery of poverty. No other man alive has ever witnessed struggles I yeah. survived." Fantastic. You know? I thought that was that was really uh, really effective, really powerful, um, and you could hear um, in all this. So let me no, I'll back up before I say that and just say. 
there were limits to how much I got into it, however, because some of it still sounded in, in line with what I think Franz made a, a good case for why he does this, but some of it sounded kind of macho to me, kind of mm. like mm. there was there was mm. bravado that I found a bit off putting at points. Um yeah. and, and certainly Big Biggie also had that as well. Um if I compare it, I mean again it's not the same place or the exactly the same time, but the Nas album um I think actually I found stronger or the Nas plays was stronger than this. Um yeah. but I, I, I did I did see a lot in it, and I was going to say that the the thing that you could hear him launching Kendrick's career, Kendrick Lamar's career, out of this, mm. you know, like mm. I just feel like that's and, and obviously at the end of Pimper Butterfly, there's that interview, isn't there, between that staged sort of interview where he talks talks through to him, doesn't he? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember that stuff, yeah. So uh, you know, the, obviously there's inheritance from Kendrick's standpoint, but you could just really tell that there's somebody who's trying to be that wordy and clever um, and um thoughtful about all these things going on around him um and this atrocious situation that he had to endure um through through most of maybe all of his life in, in terms of the racial politics over in that yeah. country at the time um was really really powerful and as as you know has survived him in terms of you know generating lots of other great work from other people as well you know so oh yeah i mean I huge influence yeah i knew he had died very young obviously i know i knew he died i knew he died very young but i didn't know he was 25 that's um very very sad um, yeah and i i do think um in general there was there was lots in this that i thought was interesting but as i say i sometimes just was couldn't invest in it to the extent i couldn't see past some of the things that fran has made a case for why they're they're limiting and in terms of seeing mm-hmm. it just as a as a kind of macho yeah. discourse but um but yeah so i i thought there was good stuff in it absolutely yeah. and, I, and i certainly his influence is it casts a long, long shadow. You know, this is this is yeah. clearly somebody who's made a massive impact on a whole genre and and generations after him. Yeah, yeah, and I think there's to go back to the point about um, some of the stuff that you know it is difficult to get past. Sometimes I think I, I nearly asked you guys to watch um, a documentary called Biggie and Tupac that I still recommend you watch. It's the Nick oh, yeah. Broomfield documentary, and it talks a lot about you know what happened around them, and I think. The other thing about Tupac that I didn't really mention is kind of the idea it was, you know, it was suspected he had ADHD. There was a lot of like he was really easily influenced and all that stuff around the biggie thing. If you if you've ever heard of Suge Knight. Yeah. 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 So like all that stuff around that and all the he was so easily influenced, like such an intelligent amazing inspiring human but then so easily influenced to do these other things because one because I think it was that masculine environment that he had to sort of exist in he had to like show that side of him because you had to to sort of survive in some of the things that he was going through but also he wanted to please people so he would do these fucking things that i think and that's that's why i keep going back to the fact that he was 25 like when he was doing some of these things he was 22 23 and like that's why i just it's so sad because if he was if he'd survived then what would he be doing now when he was doing stuff that that was that insightful at that age but then obviously making some missteps as well but yeah he was he was a kid wasn't he so it's kind of um it's uh and i, I get what you mean that's why i included some of those songs though because mm. i didn't want to like no you can't it's good you didn't gloss over that. that yeah exactly yeah. i yeah. think it's important but like like matt said it when he was um talking about it that you know there wasn't that misogyny that was in some of biggie stuff and i don't oh, think there ever was but i think yeah and I think there, but I think there are other two pack songs that perhaps I could have included that would have had a bit more of that in there. Because yeah. he was he was a very complicated person. Well, yeah. But yeah. I think that's part of what's quite amazing about him as well is that like with all that stuff going on, he was able to write songs like Changes, which yeah. I just think changes lyrically. Like it might be a bit cheesy, and that's my other problem with him now. Some of it's a bit dated with the cheesy sort of eighties um, samples and stuff like that on the choruses. But Changes is a lyrical song yeah. is just mind-blowing it's, i think the beats also like they are a bit dated but they're also so iconic that yeah maybe it, do, it doesn't date as much i don't think yeah if that makes yeah. sense it's dated but like it's it's a classic right yeah. i don't know yeah mm. cool okay that's great well, that's two pack yeah any any particular songs any of you want to mention as just ones you particularly liked or I already mentioned Didn't the I? Thugs Mansion. I think yeah. that's probably my favourite from the list, honestly. Yeah. 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 It's great too. What about you, Matt? Any? Um, well, I don't, I don't know. Uh, 
I really like changes. <laughs> changes, yeah. It's hard, to, yeah. it's hard to ignore changes, isn't it, really? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I'm quite lot, interested to know what you, what you guys, obviously you've mentioned it a little bit, Nick, about like you'd struggled with some of the bravado stuff, but what about songs like Two of America's Most Wanted and um, Picture Me Rolling and stuff, the more gangster ones? Did you guys get any out of anything out of them? Or is, I, is that... I enjoy it for what it is. It's yeah. It's it's all a show, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love hearing Snoop. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, Two so, America's Most Wanted was yeah one of my favourite songs, and I still like. But now when I hear it, it's not it's not doing quite the sort of same thing that he's doing when he's uh, you know, being really intelligent. Yeah. It's just being a gangster, but I still kind of love it. Yeah, yeah. You don't you don't you don't have to take it at face value, and enjoy, you can enjoy the song. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Right. Good okay. stuff. Well, should we discuss next episode yes. then? Yes. Um, so, next episode, we will be joined by Pete Wilde, who is um, the editor and host of Book Munch website and has written books about various bands, such as, I believe, Sonic Youth and The Smiths and all sorts. So, pretty pretty good guest that we've got coming on. writer as well. He writes on our yeah, blog. Great writer. Great writer. He should be smarter than us, that's for sure. <laughs> got a couple of published books. So, we may as well just shut up for the whole entire episode yeah. next time and just let Pete <laughs> exactly, talk. Yeah. But um, he has chosen, as his new release, um, Mac DeMarco's Here Comes the Cowboy. He's chosen as his classic... Easter Everywhere by the 13th Floor Elevators. And then he'll be telling us why he loves Mark McCulhay. I believe that's how you say it. So, yeah, we'll look forward to that. Okay. Um, my my new release that I've chosen for next time is Nothing Great About Britain by Slow Tie. And I have picked Kate Tempest's The Book of Traps and Lessons. Um, and, yeah, I've picked Fujia and Miyagi with uh, the album Flashback. And I'm going to make a prediction that we like this playlist more than the last two, but it's just a guess. We will see. Okay, I'm not going to yeah, make any comment. I'm optimistic. That's my prediction. Okay. Cool. Right, well, cool. Well, thanks for listening, people. And, and, oh, that's just the website. Yeah, yes. go over to pickybees.com. Um, just read all the amazing stuff that's there because it is all amazing, obviously. Um, we're on Twitter. features us as well as being amazing. Yes, yeah, we're on there. Mm. But there's other writers too. It's not just what's going good. on all the yeah. time. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then follow us on Twitter at Picky Bastards, Facebook at the Picky Bastards, and subscribe to the blog. No, yes. podcast. Subscribe to, yeah, subscribe to all of it. Do it. <laughs> Just follow us around. Come on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. All right. Great. Thanks very Thank much. Thank you. Next time. Bye bye. Cheers. Bye.